Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys. This is Tiny to tell you about the new Dant Crossing. Dant Crossing is a -a one-of-a-kind destination to make lasting memories with family and friends. The pastoral campus is anchored by Logstill Distillery, where you can enjoy their truly outstanding Monk's Road spirit. Enjoy world-class entertainment at their outdoor amphitheater, The Amp. Stay overnight at one of their unique lodging options. Host an unforgettable experience at their 18,000-square-foot wedding and events venue. And enjoy acres of wooded walking trails and a 12-acre fishing lake. More attractions will open soon at Dant Crossing, including a fully functional private train depot and farm-to-table restaurant. For more information, go to www. DanCrossing.com Welcome back to another Scotchy Bourbon Boys podcast of <laughs> podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Wow, been doing this for so long. I find different ways to screw it up all the time. Uh, that was Kenny Fuller of the Luca Mariano Old Americana Band. Kenny did a great job. Uh, thank you so much, Kenny. We like to thank him for that. That theme song once again uh, is an awesome theme song. Tonight uh, we are on Facebook Live, which I'm going to be going over there and turning down the sound. I'm going to be monitoring it for comments. So if you want to chime in, anybody can chime in. And uh, we got Brent. Uh, that uh, which Booker's batch? She's asking me about that. We'll get into that. This particular Booker's Batch is last year's um, special release from the distillery, and I've got a really special Booker's down there. But tonight we are going to be talking pricing, but remember, www.scotchybourbonboys.com for all Scotchy Bourbon Boys things. We've got Glen Karen's t-shirts and Scotchy Bourbon Balls. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And then also all the major podcast formats, Apple, Spotify, uh, all and then also iHeartRadio plus any other one you can think about Amazon whatever but whatever you do on your social media on your social um, listening devices remember like listen comment 
And leave good feedback for us. It helps us out here. I'm Tiny of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Tonight, I'm here to talk about a subject. I can tell already everybody's out there. Uh, you know, we got a lot of people out there. Um, uh, Randy. Oh, right. It's like Randy's there. Greg Schneider's here. Um, uh, we also have Cleveland on the Rocks. Um yeah, uh, uh, Greg, we are definitely jealous of what Randy's been posting on. Uh, that's some fantastic fishing. He's up there at the border waters in Minnesota, between Minnesota and Canada. Half the time he's in Canada, half the time he's in Minnesota, and he's also up there having a good time. And uh, I wish I was up there too, Greg. I really do. But tonight, uh, I want to get to this right now, is that I want to talk about pricing. Because pricing, you know, you get into those bourbon lines and you get into the bourbon, you know, all the bourbon groups with you guys. And everybody has this notion about pricing, okay? So there's there's all different types of pricing. One, there's a standard pricing uh, between different states, okay? So there is a free market states that exist and then there are um, states like Ohio, which are control states. And the control states, basically, the Ohio works, they work with the distilleries to purchase all the liquor uh, that the liquor stores want. And when they distribute it to the liquor stores, they still own it. And they basically, the liquor store isn't putting millions and millions of dollars up front to sell liquor. Ohio has fronted them the liquor and then because it's a control state, they sell it for MSRP, and then it's a reasonable price on the shelf for what is being suggested by the distiller. So it gives everybody in the state of Ohio to purchase it at a reasonable price. The liquor stores can't mark it up. They have to, they're not in charge of the pricing. The state of Ohio's in charge of the pricing. So what happens is, is when the liquor store sells the, the liquor, they get a commission off of each bottle that they sell. So it's, this is how that works. Now, in other free, they, the liquor store, from, the distributor comes, they buy the liquor from the distributor and they can sell it for what they want to sell it for. Uh, free market keeps them close to MSRP on a lot of things. But when you're talking about the allocated bourbon, uh, they can sell it for what they want. So a lot of times in a state of like state of Kentucky or states that aren't controlled, you're paying secondary market prices at the liquor store because that liquor store owner, in a lot of cases, has cut deals with the distributor for buying certain things. Certain products that sell consistently, they buy in bulk, they buy enough of that and put that on their shelves. The distributor has sold that and then they sell them the allocated stuff based off of what they're buying. That doesn't work that way in the state of Ohio. state of Ohio is buying it all. They're cutting the deals with the distributors out of the or they're cutting the deals right with directly with the actual um, distilleries. So. That part of it here in Ohio makes that it's a control state, but we're not paying these exorbitant secondary prices. But what it also does is that since it's being distributed now in the state of Ohio, one of the things always was 
that because it was a control, control state, you have to pay people to control it. So the taxes here, you pay more money for taxes in the state of Ohio. So what might be, um, you know, $32, it's going to be 35 or $36 here because per, you know, the taxes are higher here in the state of Ohio because you actually have a liquor board, OHLQ. And they, they're made up of people. They make sure everything goes right. They try and do the best. But um, for a long time in the state of Ohio, it was very, it was a negative thing because, though, and, and, and we just had this happen in the state of Oregon where they were so corrupt, they were keeping all the allocated liquor for the liquor people. You know, the liquor board was keeping all those bottles, not distributing it to the people, and then uh giving it to selling it to their family and friends buying it for you know MSRP and giving them a good deal they weren't selling you know that's there's all different things with the the liquor industry or the spirits industry where throughout history there's a lot of stuff that has gone on you know there's no doubt that there's a lot of uh you know just it's human nature it's it's alcohol and it's just all this you know, and and it's being distributed, and it's being distributed on such a large amount that you can't get around some sort of corruption. You're just not going to get around it. You're dealing with human beings. But so you've got the stuff here in Ohio, for instance. That's all here. We get it for MSRP. So we have Buffalo Trace. This is the first thing. Why are why in the state of Ohio? The regular market, you know, when we're buying Weller Special Reserve, we're paying $22.99. When we could get a bottle of Colonel Taylor, uh, small batch, it's $39.99. Uh, when you're talking about uh, Buffalo Trace, uh, you talk about Stag, $49.99 right off the shelf. But why does it go to a secondary market? And this is what happens. It goes to a secondary market because the people getting... The primary buying up what's being released are the people. There's there's two different types of people. There's bourbon collectors that are willing to go out in the morning, wait in line with what they call flippers, people who buy uh, alcohol professionally. And then what they do is then put it on the secondary market. Now, the secondary market is illegal. There's no doubt about it. The secondary market there's nowhere that somebody without a liquor's license is allowed to sell liquor. Now, the secondary market exists. There's no doubt about it. These people are purchasing these bottles. Now, most places you go, they're limiting that you you can't just buy it all up. They're limiting how much you can buy. It's like you can buy one bottle and while the line exists, so you could go back. Maybe sometimes you could get two, but these People who do the secondary market have 40 people at 40 different liquor stars buying it up so that they can put it on secondary in different states. Now, for instance, uh, Weller 107 is a $49.99 bottle, uh, but it sells for $225 in Pennsylvania on the secondary market. So all day long, if you can make uh, $175 Per bottle, you're going to do some things and you're going to pull it and put it to the secondary market. But now, what is the advantage of the secondary market? How does the secondary market, so many people rip on the secondary market. What are you paying for? One, the people who are buying it in Pennsylvania or New York or other states, uh, they don't see it for $50 on the shelf. There's not even a chance to go wait in line for it. It's not being distributed there. 
So here in Ohio, if you want to go on a Saturday, there's a good chance you're going to come up with, uh, you know, you're going to come up with a bottle of Weller Red or what you're waiting in line for. Uh, I always look at it. I go to the lines to talk to all the people. I love the people. This is what I podcast for. This is why I'm out there and I love to talk. So I hand out cards to the podcast. I talk to them. And if I get there, I've, I've waited in line in uh, all night long one time. I went in just to see what it's like to wait in my truck, sleep in my truck, wait all night. I've done that once. I've gone through. I realized what time. If I really want a bottle, I haven't gotten a long time. I got to be there by 3.30 in the morning. You got to do all the things. I don't participate in any secondary activity at all. Never have. Wasn't interested in it. I'm not in this to make money off of bourbon. I'm in this to share my experiences and podcasts with everybody. So when you get to that secondary market, so what's somebody that's buying on the secondary market? What are they doing? One, they don't have to go wait in line. Most people that are buying on secondary market, and then they have the disposable income to buy something that someone else bought for $50 and buy it for $225 because they have the money. It's worth it to them not to wake up at 3.30 in the morning, wait three, 3.30, wait five and a half hours of their life that they could be sleeping, they could be working, making money themselves. So they're going to pay $50 for that bottle, but they're going to pay the person who picked that bottle up and then gets it to them $175 for the service. That's kind of how you got to look at secondary market. I don't care what anybody else says. You're not paying more for the whiskey. And the whiskey, you're paying more for somebody to get you the whiskey and then deliver it to you or meet you and get that whiskey to you. That's what you're paying secondary market for. That's 100%. It's not you're paying when someone says that's two twenty five on the secondary. No, it's fifty on the secondary, and you're paying one hundred seventy five dollars for that service for them to get you a bottle that you probably can't get to yourself. Well, Weller Special Reserve twenty nine ninety nine. You're right. So you're talking about stag fifty five. All those things. Secondary is ridiculous. But once again, the reason why secondary is so ridiculous, and I'll tell you, one hundred percent. Yeah, because in Pennsylvania. Weller is non-existent. So if you want Weller in Pennsylvania, not only do you, does that guy pick it up for you, but he brings it to Pennsylvania. So think about that. He drives from Pennsylvania all the way to Ohio. Then he drives all the way back. You got gas, you got time, you got waiting in line and getting it back and delivering it to you. What? How is that not worth $175? Now, not justifying it one way or another. I'm just explaining how the pricing works for secondary market. You aren't, these prices of the, now, the whole reason why the secondary market exists, though, is where we're getting into the mucky. This is where, why does the secondary market exist? Well, it's not distributed in Pennsylvania, but it's distributed in Ohio. So what the heck's going to happen? People in Pennsylvania want it. They never see it. The only way to ever get it is either come to Ohio themselves or have somebody wait in line and bring it back to them. Either way, if you want to say it, if someone drives all the way from Pennsylvania and drives back, there's probably $70 at $3 a gallon worth of gas already. So there's your price right there. 
now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, Bar and Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! It just comes down to what we all want. For instance, we're going to take Weller Special Reserve. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. It's an okay bourbon. It's $22.99 here in the state of Ohio when you get it. I could have bought it today. But where you can't get it in Pennsylvania or New York, it's selling for $125, $100 per bottle more than what it would here. It's not worth $125 as far as taste. I am telling you that 100%. I would rather drink a $25 bottle of Jim Beam, $18.99 bottle of Jim Beam, than have a Weller Special Reserve. I'm not saying it's bad, but it ain't worth more than what they're selling it for. But because some people can't have it, they want it. That brings me to my point. This is why I'm wearing a jersey tonight, a sports jersey, because you got to look at exactly why, what, and how sports teams work and how the whole marketing campaign. You got to think of Jim Beam as your favorite sports team if you like it. Buffalo Trace as your favorite sports team as you like it. The game is making bourbon. So the game costs money to make bourbon, just like they have to pay baseball players to play baseball, and that's why they charge you for what your ticket charge is. I mean, the game, if you're up in the box, way up in the seats, you can get seats, you know, for $20, or you can sit in the box scores, you know, and you sit in those luxury seats, and you got everything pampered to you, but you pay for it. It's like the people in the luxury boxes pay an awful lot of money. The reason why they pay a lot, they see the same game someone sees in the upper deck. The game's not any different. The view's a little different. You're a little bit closer. You're right there. But your surroundings are completely different. And that's exactly how bourbon works. And I'm going to just say, the one thing with bourbon is uh, you got your you got your players, you got your teams, which is Jim Beam, Buffalo Trace, Heaven Hill. They're all making it. But they got to pay people to make it. One, you're paying master distillers, you're paying barrel people, you're paying hundreds of people to make these. These people are playing in the major leagues. All right. And then not only that, when you're done, you got to put it in a barrel, you got to pay taxes on it, and you got to let it age. Now, there's all different reasons flavor, filtering, everything. There's reasons for why it's aging. But you got to let it sit for six, seven years. How many people invest in time and effort six, seven years advanced? Oh, and even some places where I'm going to show you 15 years advanced. What's that worth to you? So now, once it's finished, they produce Jim Beam at $18.99. Anybody can, they produce a crap of it, a shit ton of it. Well, that's like upper deck that's your upper deck going to a baseball game. You're sitting in the upper deck, reasonably priced. You get to see the game. You're still playing the game. It's decent bourbon. But at the same time, you can get it. 
There's not a limited amount of it, okay? You can get it anytime you want. So what is the one thing that all of us, <laughs> what is the one thing that all of us want? And this is my generation and they do it into other generations. Uh, my generations was this. This is third grade for me. This right here. This is a wacky package. This wacky package was a limited run in 1973 when I was in third grade. It was Windhex. Nobody could get it. Everybody who opened up a wacky package, every single one of them, when you got the, your, your wacky package and you're opening it up and you were calling around to all the beer depots in, in the state, in, in your area, and do you have wacky package? Do you have wacky package? You, you know, and when you got your packages, when you opened it up, you wanted this one because this was the rare one. This is the one nobody had. If you had this, you were happy. Same thing. I'll go into something else. It's we want what we can't have. And we can have Jim Beam anytime we want. It's good whiskey. It'll compare up against a lot of really good whiskeys. So a lot of times, it's not what's in the bottle. It's how available it is, which determines the price. It's been aged six, seven years. Uh, they make a lot of it. It's going to taste the same every time. You know what you're going to get. That's your upper deck, you know, uh, not box seats. It's just your upper deck regular seats. Now, as it goes along, you age it a little bit further. And you get into your Knob Creeks. And you get into your Bookers. Now, this particular Booker is last year's Booker. And this is something that I want to kind of show everybody. But this was the Booker... So the normal bookers got released four times. You were able to get it, but there was a fifth release, and it was at the distillery. And Fred No, who this was his pick. This is Fred's batch, and he signed it at the distillery. I was able to get it. Um, Fred actually picked it up for me, uh, and then Sandy and Fred uh, gate let me purchase this particular bottle. Um, I'm very proud of this bottle i don't think this worth of this bottle is i don't think i'm opening it and it means everything to me so not only does it have the worth of the original price which i believe 149.99 at the distillery it was a limited release it wasn't distributed distributed only so now it's limited and then it's signed by fred and given to me by Fred. So not only does it have the value of a limited release, this is like sitting in season box seats. You get to go and view the game. Um, season box seats with the owner. So that's what, what's crazy about this. It's like this bottle has a value. Is like if you're sitting there watching a baseball game with the owner of the baseball team, what the hell does that mean, Right. Think about that. That that value to you goes off the charts. Even though this value is up there, it's because it's a limited release. And when they limit the release, the price is going to go up because people want to pay for an experience that not a lot of other people get. So that's another reason why. 
this was priced at $149 instead of the normal $100, $99, $99.89 that Booker's goes at because it's a limited release. So once again, something and release it so that only a certain amount of people can have it. So you're going to have to, you have to pay. Now, when this hits secondary market, it goes crazy because someone waited in line and got the limited release and there's not a lot out there. So that's even going to go higher on secondary market. It's signed by Fred. Even, you know, that says his, you know, enjoy my pick. And then it's got his name. But then for me, the value goes to the point of insanity. And once again, this is like, I'll show you. When I was a kid, I was able to buy baseball cards. And I got two of these. And this is a Ricky Henderson rookie card. And this Ricky Henderson rookie card initially straight off the bat, because he was such a great player, was worth a couple hundred bucks. And when I was a kid, that meant everything. Right now, in mint condition, it could be worth up to 20 grand. So I held on to it. It's my childhood, and I collected it. So there's that type of thing for baseball cards. Same thing. You're going to buy certain bourbons. I wouldn't pay more than 55 for it if I had two at my bar now to share with everyone who comes over. Wait, 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 wait. That's great. Hardly see it here in Illinois unless it's seconds at 140, which is a joke. Okay, so we're talking about we're still... Talking about the Weller. Yes, I, I I mean, the Weller Special Reserve. And just you guys can keep talking am amongst yourselves. It's just, it's crazy how that works. But, so now we're, we're looking at those limited releases. Now, let's take this one step further. And we're talking about history release, Dusties, where you're going around trying to get Dusties. This here is from a time period. Uh, 19, I believe it's a 1994 Booker's. It's got the box. It's got the, the different box. You can see highest grade. It's in the white box, Clearmont, Kentucky. It's a Booker's. Um, and this batch, uh, you, if you're going to buy this batch, this is somebody, and it's once again, they're called Dusties. This is somebody who has decided that they wanted to pick up a couple back then, save them, or their grandpa saved them or whatever, and then they wanted to sell it at that point to you to taste something that has history. Once again, we're talking about this type of thing. This card here, Satchel Page, 1953 Satchel Page, his only Topps baseball card. He was one of the, he was the original um, black uh, baseball players uh, after Jackie Robinson. He was one of the best Negro League uh, baseball players in the history. He sometimes even pitched two games of the doubleheader and would win both of them. An amazing guy. This card means everything to me. I've had it since I was 12 years old was able to get it and it's uh I've got it preserved and once again it was $600 forever covid hit went whatever and right now that card in good condition sells for about 12 grand so you're looking at the same thing that happens with whiskey now baseball cards what happens to them 
is they're on card they were on cardboard forever and you buy them and they would mold and they you know moms would throw them away and they just become rarer and rarer and rarer to then eventually and they weren't printing that many to start off so it's the same thing everything uh <laughs> We're in Florida. So, okay, cheers, Matt. Uh, yeah, I will share that booker with bookers with you. But at, like anything, someone collected it. And if I was to sell that there as we go down the line, I'm not gonna sell it for what what it was worth when in 1953. It was it was in a part a pack that was five cents or three cents a pack. It's I it's been kept and primed and you know whatever and kept in a great place and nobody can touch it and nobody's handling it it's behind uh plexiglass the same thing with bourbon somebody kept it forever you're gonna sell that for what you can sell it for it's a secondary market but once again it's a dusty now this is where justin's house of bourbon and then also revival with uh brad bonds uh, come in because they go around. They have a liquor license to do. You know, they buy dusties. Now there's rules on dusties. You can't buy a certain amount, and you can. And most people, when it's when the 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 uh, whiskey is old, they can buy. You can buy this from an estate sale or whatever. If you're buying in small amounts, but if you're going to do this for what, like with Brad, you need a license and you need to do it right and you need to distribute. And uh, he's got that at Revival. Plus, he also brings really good pours to people in Dusty's where you wouldn't be able to think you would ever be able to taste that type of a liquor. And he brings it to you at a reasonable price. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we're going to be at Revival, uh, I believe, the not this, a week from Friday, the 30th. So that that's going to be a pretty cool podcast. So there you go. That's how the Dusty's work. But once again... We all want what we can't have. If we can't have it, we want it. So in when it comes to this right here, this was an expensive bottle. Now, not only is it limited, I mean, the bottle is limited, but not only is it limited, but it's packaged in the most coolest way. And this is the whole deal, folks. You're looking at the package. You're looking at the, you know, you got the the whole limited batch release right there. And you're going to pay for that. Now, do you drink that? Yes, bourbon's for drinking, I believe. I'm, I've had a couple pours of this so far. Not this bottle. And I just love it. I'm, th- I'm going to try and get Fred and Freddie to sign it because they did this. And this is... Um, the lineage that I got to taste when I did a barrel pick with Freddie. So these bottles are special to me. So a lot of times when I'm getting these special bottles, I'm not thinking of drinking them so much and I'm not saving them to sell them. They mean so much to me because once you empty this bottle, it's empty and it's gone forever. So these are the kind of bottles that you're going to pay a little bit more for and you're going to open these on special occasions, whatnot. You know, this is the kind of thing. But once again, it's marketing. Why is this that much better? Is it $200 better than Jim Beam? I'm going to tell you straight up, the whiskey is no. But it's aged. Um, it's put together specifically for a limited release. It's not like Jim Beam. You can get it all the time. You can't get this all the time. This comes out, this batch, once it's done, 
It's limited. And you, you got to pay for what you're paying for. Not only are you paying for uh, them coming up with this, you're paying for the fact that you're going to be one to be able to drink this and you can own it. And then you're also paying for the extra packaging that they put it in. Beautiful wood box. I mean, come on. So that all costs. Plus, you know, the 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 whiskey is aged. It has 15-year whiskey. So that, that whiskey that goes into Jim Beam at 6-7, you're doubling the amount of time it has to sit there. Plus um, how many taxes you're paying and everything like that. So that's why you pay for these high dollar things. You don't have to do it. But this is why it costs more. Because one, you want something that is unique and special that there's only a certain amount. There's a lot of people in this world that aren't going to taste lineage, you know, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey a father and son collaboration. I mean, you don't know how many of these are they're even going to put this out put out on this. It's just a really cool kind of thing. Now, we're also we're going to get into um right now, we're going to get into uh this. This is Buffalo Trace. This is small batch Taylor. Now, it's a $39.99 bottle. Uh, I've seen it what across the thing. Secondary, it's going to cost you. I believe it, it it can go for for right around 100, 125. But they are distributing this more and more. But people wait in line for this. They'll wait in line for the single barrel. But then you get these really unique batches which they produce that are limited, and they name them different. The Tornado Batch, the 18-Year Marriage, the Armanac um, Finish. Uh, so they're making, a, the, they do their rye. There's not, they produce Sazerac rye and E.H. Taylor rye. Those are the only two ryes produced. So people want what they can't have. And Buffalo Trace, once again, in, distrib- in distribution, Distributes in different places, and then it's redistributed redistributed across the country. They can't make enough to distribute everywhere. Now, they've just doubled their amount that they're making, and they've been increasing for a while. So this bottle has been on the shelf a little bit more. There used to be one case when you waited in line, and now there's two cases when you wait in line. So there's a lot of things. But the price, once again, if you pay more than $40 for this bottle, you are paying again for somebody to wait in line at six in the morning, pick it up for you, and deliver it to you. What's that worth? Most people with money, they would pay that in a second because they're probably making uh, five times that m- amount of money while they're working, and they would rather make the money instead of waiting in line. So, this is once again the secondary market for this type stuff is one hundred percent driven. By the fact of a service, not so when you guys are all talking about the secondary market, it's so ridiculous. You're just saying it's ridiculous because you're not willing to pay somebody and not that I'm condoning it, but it's not it's not ridiculous. You're not willing to pay somebody to wait in line and go. You know, some people drive to Kentucky or they drive to the distillery and, and then bring it back for you. There's a service in there that you got to basically 100 percent account for 
Now, a lot of times you get gouging because of the fact that it's so rare and they did wait in line, they could gouge you. I don't agree with that at all. But there's a certain uh, value to a service of somebody who's able, like your friend. If your friend goes to Florida and he calls you up and says, oh, I've got E.H. Taylor um, 18-year marriage. It's $100. I can get two bottles. Do you want one? That's a fantasy, okay? But at the same time, you're like, yeah, pick that up for me. He drives it all the way back for you. Are you going to only pay him the 100 bucks, or are you going to give him a little something extra for the service? Now, if he's your best friend or whatever, he doesn't want extra. But just think about it. He drove to Florida and then brought it back to Ohio for you. It's probably about $200 in gas. So you're, you are got to just keep that in mind when somebody's picking something up for you and whatever, and you're talking about how you would never pay those prices on secondary because it's not worth it. Well, that means that you'd rather not. I love it. The people are like, well, I work full time. Well, Saturday mornings, uh, Giant Eagle releases. They have, you know, so there's always they, they come up with creative ways to release these things. For instance, the gold. Uh, I mean, I, I know people who got the Blanton's gold. I didn't get the Blanton's gold from the lottery, but they do lotteries here in Ohio, which are totally fair. So uh, once again, you're paying the secondary. You're not paying secondary. You're paying MSRP. The This one here. So this Knob Creek was, I believe, $119.99. And... Uh, the 15-year was $99.99, and I believe this one was $129.99. Now, the reason why this is priced is it's three years older, and I got a chance to drink it compared to the 15. But once again, not only did you get the 18-year Knob Creek, which I extremely like, but you get this really, really cool display. This isn't cheap, and then... When you're talking about 18 years, um, you're talking about they had to wait in 18 years in a Rick house. Let's see, what was 18? We're talking about 2005. This was put in a barrel in 2005, and you had to wait all the way until, or 2004 actually, because you had to wait all the way till 2022. And this isn't a single barrel, these are uh, batch barrels that they did. To put it through on the on the um, and uh, I heard a lot of people because this was a hundred proof. It wasn't a hundred and twenty two proof. But when you think about it, if you're going to put something out like this and you're the you know you're doing it and you can proof it down to a hundred and it's still tasting delicious and it's eighteen years, maybe at a hundred and twenty proof it was too oaky. So you got to trust the master distiller. But at the same time. By putting it out at 100 proof, there were more bottles so that you could actually participate and it wasn't something that you couldn't get. That's another thing that you got to think about. Now, this here is an example of just a limited release from the Bardstown area. It's called the Bardstown Collection. It's log still, beautiful. But everybody who, who has this bottle who gets this bottle um all the labels are the same but they're done from i believe five distilleries participated heaven hill log still uh what else there was um log still heaven so this was part of the 2023 release it was released and pretty much sold out in one day 
from all the different distilleries. I was able, lucky to be able to have someone pick one up for me and charge me just um, regular price. But this was an expensive bottle. It was $200. And it was at the different distilleries. It's an only release. I didn't try. But once again, you're paying for exclusivity on this case. This is straight exclusivity. The box is cool, but it's not so cool that you're paying for it. You're paying for this particular Bardstown 2023 collection, and you're paying for being able to get it because the only place it was released was to Bardstown, and it was once it was gone, it was gone. So that's another reason why you pay the price that you're paying. You're paying for the right to drink something that nobody else can drink. I mean, that's really, is is the whiskey in this bottle worth $200? I'm going to tell you, probably not as far as um, compared to Log Still $100 bottle of Rattle and Snap, the eight-year. I mean, it just comes down to age. You got to pay for age. You got to pay for exclusivity, limited release releases. This is really unique because this was from all the distilleries in the Bardstown five or five or six of that was Jim Beam. There was Lux Lux Row. There was Preservation. There was Log Still, and I think there was Heaven Hill. So those were five distilleries releasing all at once from the master distillers coming up. For this special release, this is the second year that they did it. I think Randy um, was at the release party for both years. Now, I don't have it. I had an empty bottle up there, but uh, this is courtesy of Super Nash. And if you can see this, uh, anybody on Facebook or on YouTube, you can't. But I'm holding a Van Winkle 12-year in my hand. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is the ultimate of the ultimate of the ultimate of a whiskey that is $79 for the 10, $99 for the 12, $129 for the 15, and the 23 goes out at $200 a bottle um, from the distillery. Reasonably priced for the deliciousness of Pappy Van Winkle and its caramel flavor. This is a delicious whiskey. The 15 years is my favorite. The 12 is still t- pretty damn good. And when you're talking MSRP, you're talking for the 12, you're talking $99, which is the same as Booker's, and I really believe. But this is the one that is the Windex of the Wacky Packages. This is the bottle that... Everybody wants the 12 and the 15. I mean, honestly, I swear to God, the 15, 20, and 23 labels on Pappy Van Winkle, I love those labels so much. I've never owned one. I want to own one. But this pricing gets crazy. And this isn't just once again. It's not getting it. Because how it's distributed, it's it's distributed every year. Um, Weller, this is the same mash bill as Weller. Once Weller goes over 12 years, we all know it's been aging. It's, they take the best of the best of the Weller. So you're looking at a 12-year Weller batch. Pappy Van Winkle is the is is the stuff that Weller 12-year has been thrown out and didn't qualify for Pappy Van Winkle 12-year. So this particular brand has been marketed similar to it's what we all want and we can't have. 
it's masterful marketing. It's been done specific and, and um, it's cutting edge. Uh, you even have uh, Julian Van Winkle going on and saying he doesn't like how it was, how the marketing goes, because he wishes that every single bottle didn't get uh, cons- bought up, consumed, sold on secondary. I mean, they have, uh, you know, according to him, a hard time controlling this. They basically well, stopped secondary market selling on Facebook. Because everybody was selling this on Facebook early on, and that is an illegal thing. Secondary market is illegal, folks. I mean, you can't just go out there and advertise. And in Facebook, 100% does not allow any secondary marketing. And I wouldn't um, condone it. Peppy one lucked into a 15-year in the lottery last December. It's delicious. Yeah, John, I mean, the lottery here, I've not lucked once. I've known a lot of people. Um, Whiskey, this past lottery with his family on the Blanton's Gold, just uh, made out like he was a damn leprechaun. It was insane how many how much he was able to get. And me and my wife, uh, we went to four of the, I think I went to six. She went to four of the six that I went to that we entered into it. It was a hundred different liquor stores. Each one got 50 bottles for the raffle. And, um, none, you know, he went to three of the liquor stores that we also went to. And my wife went, went to a fourth, but we, he went to three of them. Whiskey did. And he won at those, but we didn't win. So, um, lotteries haven't been good to me, <laughs> but that's okay. So anyways, uh, when it comes to pricing, this one's a crazy one. This one sells for insane amounts at, at, uh, you know, for, for charity, it brings in tons of money. It's not one of the reasons why is what's in this bottle is really good. Now, I don't think it's worth what people will pay on secondary, um, wake up here, grabbed it. The last one behind the glass, 120. Yeah, they sold it here for 119.99 MSRP, so that's not a bad price at all, John. Uh, he's talking about the Blanton's gold. So, once again, this here is because it's really good. The Van Winkles do a really good job, Buffalo Trace does a really good job. They've got it to the point, and I, I think it's spectacular. So, if, if you could find something, you know in the unreasonable for something else, but you're willing to pay, um, most people will pay it. So um, you got that. Now, the last thing what I want to say is this. Blanton's, single barrel. Uh, Elmer T. Lee uh, dedicated this single barrel in 1984 to uh, Albert um, Blanton. He was the master distiller. And he used to send Elmer T. Lee to a special part in the when he had uh, his when he was entertaining guests to get whiskey from a barrel in his favorite risk house, which is a tin rick house. Uh, everybody sees it on the the property. They're in the process of making a lot more of them, but Blanton's comes from that particular warehouse. It's a single barrel, each meaning that all of it's barreled. Each barrel is poured into each batch of uh, whatever it produces. And that's whatever it tastes like, that's what it comes out. So they pick out the barrels that are good enough to be Blanton's and put them out. Um, they got straight from the barrel where they're not batch, where um, where they're doing it. This is a single barrel proof down to 94 proof. 
they have um full <laughs> full uh what would you say um not foolproof but um why am i having barrel strength uh, also where it's just straight out straight from the barrel and it's barrel strength. And then they have gold, what they're putting out, which is, uh, what they feel is the better barrels. The gold was being produced and sold into Japan up until just recently. Um, the Bland's gold was distributed in the United States. So it's really kind of cool. The whole 5,500, um, bottles just were distributed in Ohio for the gold. But this one is a marketing genius uh pretty much anybody who doesn't know anything about whiskey wants blantons um blantons in my opinion is a good but average bourbon uh it's 65 69 a bottle when you buy it msrp uh i think it's more i would rather have taylor at 49.99 so it's probably more like 50 dollars. but what you're getting off this is you're getting the Topper, and you're getting and one of the things is is that it's a single barrel so you can have hit or miss barrels on this so uh the reason why they get you keep coming back is you got these different toppers and then eventually if you look behind me i think i can show but you get the you can get the gist on the on the main podcast but what i got back here is the stave with all the toppers once you complete it you send it into buffalo trace they'll take it put it on a stave and send it back to you um uh and they ship it to you so it just shows back up um in a stave mounted with uh i believe i want to say eight stages but it basically spells out blanton's one two three four five six seven eight stages of the kentucky bourbon or the kentucky derby so it's really a kind of a cool thing they have a uh, one that's out but overall it's the marketing that makes this um, a $65 bottle opposed to the E.H. Taylor, which is in a straight bottle, and it's only $39.99. But the last thing I got to say is they've marketed to the point where everybody wants it. I've had um, why um, um, friends um, who's um, that, you know, uh, how can I say this? Wives of friends ask me to get bottles of uh, Blanton's for their husbands because they that's what they want. They don't know what they want. This isn't something, but it's something that the average um, bourbon drinker has been convinced this is what they need to get when they start drinking whiskey. And uh, so this marketing, you overpay because not only do you have the topper to keep you coming back all the time, but they've marketed it to and put it in a bottle and they've got it so that people who don't know a huge amount of whiskey, they want it. So there's so the general public, when they go looking in line and waiting in line, they want Blanton's. Uh, you talk to any uh, liquor store owner and they're like, got any Blanton's? Everybody's always asking if you got Blanton's because there's just not enough to go around, but it's distributed pretty equally throughout the United States. Everywhere gets it. It's one of the places where they get enough out, but it's not always there. It's similar to what, what happens with the bookers. So once again, let's review real quick. So you're going to pay for something that's bottled, uh, and then put in and saved, similar to what happens with a baseball card. You're going to pay for that. 
you're not going to pay the original price of that whiskey from 1947. If someone saved whiskey and it's still good from 1947, what's that worth of you? You're drinking whiskey. You're drinking whiskey from 1947. You're drinking history. Think about that. So that's one of the cool things. So that's where you pay a little bit more for your whiskey. Uh, you're going to pay for high-end limited release is in really cool packaging. I mean, just that's gonna you gotta the, the box isn't cheap, it's designed, it's marketed, you got a display case, plus you're talking about Fred and Freddie coming up with a batch of uh Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey that they both like and they put their name on it, and it's a limited release. It's not gonna be this batch will not be released again. So you've basically bought history and a really good presentation. It's going to cost you a little bit more. Um, I don't believe um, that you, the whiskey in the bottle is worth as much more as all the packaging and then the limited availability. Just remember, everybody, uh, a lot of times you're drinking, you're paying for the right to be able to drink something that nobody else can drink. And so it's been limited so much that, you know, you've just bought into a club of, um, you know, sharing with your friends. I mean, it's something that makes you feel good. I mean, if you're out there and you get this limited bottle and it's your son's wedding and you open this up and you share it with him and his friends, it's something special. So that's that's the kind of thing that you would share on that type of thing. Then, also, this has been aged for 15 years. And that's the other thing that you're going to say, aging in a barrel. When you're talking about aging in the barrel, you're talking about 15 years plus you get, or 18 years. That's 18 years in a barrel. We're talking about, you know, uh, your kid was born and now he can drink. That's how long it was in a barrel. It costs money to do that. It's not cheap. They have, it's storage space, uh, Picking out the right barrels to age. I mean, you got to make sure that's all skill to get to something in uh, a bourbon in a barrel for 18 years and make it taste good when it comes out. It's not something that just comes. So you're going to pay for that. So you're going to also pay for availability, current availability, similar to what this is. It's like if they're not producing enough for everybody to have, we all want something that we can't have again there you go the windex kind of thing now you're just gonna you're gonna if you can't have it and we want it you're gonna pay more and then that's where the competition comes in which allows that secondary market to go up because people want it the more they want it you, you know they're trying to sell it and if it keeps going away and they don't have it and people are like, oh, I would have paid more for that. And next time they're going to pay more. Then you're going to pay for exclusivity. A release straight up. It didn't have the package. It's not aged for 15 years. But it's a special batch released on one day from the distillery. And it sold out. I mean, it's kind of cool. Uh, they had enough bottles that day for anybody waiting in line. But there wasn't any left, and you know, by the next Friday, not one place had any left. And if you got your bottle, you got your bottle. And so it was kind of cool to get that bottle. Then you're going to pay <laughs> for gimmicks to keep you coming back. 
And then you sometimes have to pay for marketing of the perce- the perception everybody wants it. It's not rare, but everybody wants it. And because everybody wants it, there's there's just the availability goes down. I mean, it's just this this one. Uh, I always feel that I've been able to get it anytime I want. I, people love it on tastings. I buy it for the tastings, and it's a really cool product. So there, that's what you're going by. And then the last but not least, uh, you're paying for that that dusty one that in 1994 Booker's had made. You have the right batch. And uh, you're paying for a really delicious uh, bourbon of a time period. That 1953 Satchel Page. This this was, you know, 1953. This is 1994. Booker is still alive. This is his batch. This is his, you know, it's just becoming what it's becoming at this point. And it, it's nowhere else are they doing a... Uh, uh, non-chill filtered, you know, straight into the barrel. They're not filtering. It stays cloudy. I mean, there's there's barrel chips in it. Nowhere else, no no one else was doing it. Just like initially no one else was doing single barrels when Elmer T. Lee came up with Blanton's. But when Blanton's, for a long time, it was not bought into. People didn't know what it was. They didn't know what a single barrel was, and they kind of stayed out of it. But the same thing with Booker's. I mean, Booker's popularity just as of recently has just kind of skyrocketed. So that's what we're looking at there. Um, So pricing, let's just cover the last part of the secondary market. Just remember, you're not paying in most cases of everything I just talked about, you're not paying, you're paying for better bourbon in a lot of cases, but you're not paying that price between $25 or $20, $18.99 for Jim Beam and $225 for uh let's see $224 or $225 for the lineage it's not that much better but it's packaged it's older and it is better but it's limited if you limited Jim Beam and you just said Jim Beam is being canceled next week I guarantee you everybody would run out to get their bottles of Jim Beam because they're not going to be able to get it again once again we want what we can't have, and they've spent a lifetime as collectibles. Now, I'm going to tell you, the the transfer for me was baseball cards and wacky packages. The new generation buys into this also, and it's Pokemon cards. This is similar to Pokemon cards. You are collecting. Not only did they give it to whatever, but you collected different things, and it was a game, and you got different pieces and everything. This is the same thing. I mean, you're just getting different Pokemon. This could be Charmander. (laughs) I mean, all I'm saying is they capitalize on what we love. So when I get into bourbon, that's one thing. I love to drink good bourbon. There's a lot of good bourbon. I taste a lot of good bourbon. Now, when you get into the craft distillers, that's a whole thing. That's like minor leagues. So did you ever go to a Major League Baseball game up and you go wherever and you've got all the Major League kind of bells and whistles and everything? But personally, what's going on the field, uh, uh, a lot of times it's all big. And, you know, there's not a lot of extra things. There's maybe some races happening or whatever. But when you go to a minor league game, 
There's so much more happening at a minor league game. They got to draw you in away from the big guys saying, I've got a product. These people could be big someday. They're not yet, but come see them before they get big. That's what a craft distiller is. They're producing. Now, some of them can produce. They're they're just like I said, they can produce really good whiskey, but not on the level of their local. The locals find it, and then it doesn't expand out to the national market until they gain some steam. But as they keep expanding out, they got to grow. And when you grow, that means you need more equipment. You need bigger stills. And it's not the same as when you're little. I mean, you could eventually become one of the big guys, but when you're little, you've got not the pressure. Um, you don't have to have all, you know, it, it, it. you don't have the same strains and uh, pressure to produce the whiskey that someone else, the, the, all the stress comes from different areas. When you're producing for, for instance, for Jim Beam, all the, they're producing, they know how much they're producing. They know what, what they're trying to meet. They know what they got. They've got it all saved up and it's been made. When you're a craft distiller, you're making it and you're starting to go and you've sold out of all of what you produced um, two years ago and you're like, it's starting to dwindle and you're like, well, I got to produce up my production, but you've got that gap. So meeting demand is the hard part and organizing to be able to supply to distributors and whatnot. So they're one, they don't produce as much. So there's a lot of times where their range and a really good craft distiller has a range between, I would say 55 and $70 consistently just based off of cost so that they can stay alive. Uh, I know they would, a lot of times uh, they would say, this is their $39, their $40 bourbon, but they don't have a choice on what they sell it for. They don't have the availability of the barrels. They don't have the availability of the glass like the big people do. They have to work in different areas. It's a whole different ballgame. And a lot of times they're producing on pot stills instead of column stills. So they're doing batches and they're doing really good whiskey. So there's a whole evolution of a craft distiller but it still comes down to a good distiller producing good uh white dog putting it into barrels and aging it properly um produces some damn good whiskey and then they have at craft distilleries the ability to experiment and then put that out on their floor at their distillery where the big guys they really don't have that they can experiment but what's left over, I mean, what they're doing, they're at such a huge volume that they got to pick and choose what they're actually going to bring to market so that they can meet the market where the craft distillery doesn't have to. So, what you know, what you're paying for, and I'm almost finished here, is uh, we'll review. You're paying not sometimes you're paying for really, really good whiskey as far as taste, but. Usually, in my opinion, like with Pappy Van Winkle, there's and and if you get it at MSRP, nine, it's a ninety. You know, the fifth, the twelve year is a ninety nine dollar bottle, and in the fifteen year, in my opinion, I pay one hundred twenty nine dollars all day. Secondary, when you're talking about twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, 
I don't got that kind of money. I wouldn't, I, I don't pay that. But honestly, for one, it's the ultimate of the card that I want, that I'm looking for. And so what will I do is the question. I just keep waiting for it to come to me. Now, Super Nash, he's he's gotten more than enough Pappy for me to, to we've had pours at bars. He's shared bottles with me. But that um, ever-elusive uh, 15, 20, and 23-year bottles, um, I've not, um, the 15 I've had pours at bars, but I've not had, uh, you know, a pour with someone with at a bottle. So, uh, you know, that's like the ultimate of all ultimate bourbons because of it, everybody wants it because it's cool. You can't get it, but it's also really, really good. Um, and then you're going to pay for how long? something sits in a barrel. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer. And then you also will pay one more time for packaging. So, you know, if you just buy, I remember the first time I bought Booker's and I had been looking at it and it was, I believe seventy nine ninety nine, And I was like, that's a lot for me because I really wasn't into spending that kind of money on uh, whiskey yet. And I just wanted it. I wanted kitchen tables. But when I eventually got it, I believe I got it for $71 because it wasn't in the box. The Booker's box. It was just Booker's. I didn't know they sold it outside the box. I don't know why it was, but I was able to pick up that bottle without a box, which was fine because I have so many boxes now. But at the same time, the packaging, you just got to remember, the packaging is going to make it more. Now, the last but not least that we didn't talk about that will finish up is taxes. I mean, the people making the most money off liquor and uh, is the United States government. The taxes on it also drive the price. They're making, in the end, I believe it's been said up to 60% of what we pay when with three-tier system and everything. So the distilleries, you got to understand, they all got to make money and they're only making 40% of that bottle. So if you're paying $50 for a bottle, the $25, so they are paying, they are only making 20 and the government is making 30 of that 50. So just think about that. So that's another reason why it's so, and, and even in the state of Ohio, because they have OHLQ, they're charging a little bit more than that. So you just got to remember um, what we're, how we pay and what we pay for bourbon and the pricing is a structured thing that you're paying for. Not only are you paying for age and packaging, taxes, uh how well it's distributed, and then the last, just remember, on the secondary market, you're paying for services. Services rendered as far as um, who's going to get it for you, and and how are you? How are they going to get it to you? So, I mean, when you're complaining or bitching about pricing going forward, um, now I hope after this that you have a good understanding of where the pricing comes from. And how it's priced. I mean, for instance, right now, the last thing I'm going to say is barrel prices. I heard well, the one guy was paying $225 a 
and now he's paying $315 per barrel between last year and this year. Now, he's already laid down his whiskey that he's going to be selling right now. But the profit he's making and then reinvesting back into the barrels for doing now was based off of probably a $175 barrel. So you just got to remember they got them, you know, prices go up. Even though what they laid down, they're looking at the future. It's what they're buying now and they need more cash to do it. So you're going to see bumps. Now we all saw bumps of, uh, and, and since then some of the bumps have come down. Uh, but we saw bumps because of fuel prices. We saw bumps because of a glass shortage. We saw bumps because of a worker shortage. We saw bumps in price because, you know, uh, just how the, you know, how much more the cost it is the for the barrels and the bottles and the labels and everything just costs more. The grain costs more because it costs more to ship them the grain. I mean, everything went up. So that's another reason why we saw a bump. It was good to see some of the stuff come back down. I mean, some stuff went from 42 to 49 and then dropped back down to 44. I was happy about that. My old tub was 1899, went to 2499, and now it's 2099. So once again, happy with what's going on. But just remember, those are the reasons why the prices are what they are. So anyways, uh, I've been watching the comments, wasn't sure, haven't seen anybody commenting recently. I'm going to bow out of it and then quick drop back in and see. All right, uh, Greg's been commenting. He saw that. He said, White Oak log prices um, more than doubled last year, plus barrel hoop steel jumped three times. So there you go. From a master distiller of what he's dealing with right now, uh, trying to keep his prices consistent. But, you know, if you're getting those kind of bumps into your uh, production, it's some, you know, they can't absorb everything. The The whole idea after the 60% of, uh, you know, what's out there, 60% of uh, the taxes are taken and then you're left with 40 and they start bumping up all the prices. Uh, they got it's kind of like it looks like they know the market so it's almost like we're splitting the costs with the makers so there you go um i hope that was a, a great topic for you guys tonight it looked like i had a decent amount of people watching that's for sure i was really happy about that um let's see uh and uh there you go i i was happy about that and uh so I think that wraps up this podcast for tonight. Uh, remember, uh, we're the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. I'm Tiny. Uh, look forward to what's coming up in the future. Just coming up uh, as we go forward next week. Um, we won't be on on Thursday because let me quick see if I can find this. Uh, we won't be on Thursday because... I got to go to, um, there we go. <laughs> Done. Let's go. Oh, come on. The sharing. Okay, here we go. Uh, I believe. Here it is. Um, we won't be on on Thursday because we're going to be Cyrus for, uh, here we come, for a Maker's Mark, uh, it's open to the public. It's the the Whiskey Society 1078. 
It's Maker's Mark. It's at the VFW Post 1078, 330 East Manfield Street in Bucyrus, Ohio. It is uh, this June 15th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. PM, And they will have um, the representative from Maker's Mark, Lanessa Jones. She is a Maker's Mark diplomat. And um, they're going to be special mark. The makers mark selections and discuss the industry and innovations. Um, and uh, it's $25 a ticket. And if anybody's interested, they can contact Aaron at 419 569 5309. If you're in the Ohio area, uh, that we are going to be there. Scotch, me, uh, Roxy, and then uh, CT and uh, Rachel will be there as the Scotchy Bourbon Boys doing some Facebook Live stuff there. So uh, well, that's where we'll be on Thursday. That's why I was recording this podcast tonight, so that uh, I can load up and get two in this week. But then next week we have the awesome Jennifer Brandt from Luca Mariano to talk about what they've just released from Luca Mariano. She sent it up to us. We will have CT. We'll have uh, Nash. And we should have... Um, um, I'm hoping that uh, whiskey comes down for that one. And then the following one, we will have the infamous, <laughs> no, the famous David Schmier to talk about his tumbling dice line, which just did very well at the San Francisco Spirits uh, competition. Uh, he was up for, uh, I believe, one of his whiskeys won uh, best in category overall, the rye. So... That was exciting, but we'll have Dave talk about that. Plus, we've got the senator, the representative, uh, and then also some of his rise and his very special um, Good Day 20-Year Canadian Whiskey that he's put out. So, uh, looking forward to that coming up. And then, uh, let's see. I'm going to go back here. <laughs> uh, we'll go back to the Facebook. Okay, I'm there. And then... Uh, so thanks for watching, John. Thanks for watching, Greg. Uh, Randy checked in earlier. Thanks for watching, Randy. But, uh, I think that, uh, covers what's coming up. Remember to follow us on all the major podcasts, formats, uh, also all uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, Tonight's podcast was broadcast on YouTube Live, so you can check that out. And then also, um, remember, uh, if you're going to, on any podcast format, uh, like, listen, comment, and subscribe, uh, and then also leave us some feedback. And then remember, I'm going to get this ready. <laughs> Good bourbon. Equals good times and good friends. And remember, drink responsible responsibly. Don't drink and drive. And live your life dangerously. Tiny is out. Have a good night. Little Steve-O will take us out. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why.
Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die. I tell you we must die. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts.